Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, everybody. I'm Shimon Shkuri with Ariel Property Advisors. And today I have my friend Evan Weiss of LW Hospitality with us. And what we wanted to do with Evan is to speak about the hospitality industry and hotels specifically, see what's going on there. Uh, before we start, Evan, thank you for being here. Why don't you give us uh, a few seconds of who you are, who's LW, and what do you do? Thanks so much, Shimon. I uh, really appreciate you having us here. Um, Evan Weiss, LWHA, uh, one of the co-founders, chief operating officer, principal. Um, our firm essentially is bifurcated into three uh, three primary verticals, vertical one being valuation. We focus solely and exclusively on hospitality and gaming throughout the entire country, uh, a little bit international, Canada, Puerto Rico, Caribbean, Mexico, some work in the UK as well, looking to potentially expand to Europe at some point soon. Um, uh, so vertical one is valuation, appraisal, feasibility studies, market studies, litigation support, expert testimony, vertical two, asset management, consulting advisory, receivership work, and vertical three, a platform called LARC, Lodging Analytics Research and Consulting, predictive analytics uh, for the hotel industry. My background is, is fairly straightforward, born and raised here in New York, born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island, uh, currently live in New Jersey, um, three wonderful kids, and um, the um, essentially went to NYU's hotel school and been pursuing a career in hospitality really since since 1999 uh, from all different sort of positions in the space. And we started the company about 10 years ago. So uh, LW is about 10 years old and been in the valuation consulting space for about 15 years. That's great. Thank you so much for this introduction. So let's talk about the hotel industry. The headlines are not looking great. Some are saying that about 80% of uh, New York City hotels are showing a sign of, of strain. And it's not surprising. COVID-19 definitely affected it. What can you tell us about the hotel industry in New York City from a very high macro level? Certainly. So when folks ask about where the industry is going, uh, whether it's a specific market or specific asset or, 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 or you know, the market overall in general, uh, we tell them we don't know. Um, now, that's probably not what you expected to hear today. Um, but the truth of the matter is anyone who tells you that they know what's going to happen or puts out predictions on the marketplace going forward that, that are not rooted in facts and data um, is either A, completely uh, full of it, or B, is going to get very lucky if they are in fact correct. Um, what we say is we look at asset by asset, market by market, and segment by segment because things are so different. This this pandemic is not economically driven. It's not recessionary driven. It's really driven by psychology and sociology as to how people think about things and how people feel. You know, even on this call prior to going live here, we were talking about how different people perceive and act and react towards this towards this virus and what they do uh, socially, uh, work wise, and certainly travel wise. Um, um, so, so that, that is a big factor in this. New York city is probably one of the most affected markets in the country. Um, it has a larger percentage of still closed hotels than pretty much any other market in the United States. Uh, I believe it's somewhere around 75% of the hotels that closed pre COVID, um, are, are still remain closed. And there are a number of hotels, especially the larger full service boxes 
that, um, you know, called 300 plus room, uh, larger full service hotels, uh, generally union operated that opened in August, September, thinking that there was going to be sort of this post summer recovery of travel, uh, both corporate transit and corporate group, um, you know, but, but um, many of them are considering shutting down around, uh, around now uh, through about March. Uh, that's even in light of knowing about the, the vaccine and it's hopefully it's efficacy and, and it's, uh, frankly, the beginnings of it being distributed, which we've started hearing things. So um, vertical urban union operated markets are very difficult to reopen because they rely heavily on international travel, especially in the gateways, which is simply not there. They rely on corporate group as a baseline foundation, which is not there. Corporate transient is down absolutely dramatically right now. Uh, any conventions or, or, or meetings are simply not happening just yet in any in any uh, frame of substance. Leisure is happening, but but the vertical urban markets generally are not enjoying uh, a lot of leisure travel, like a Chicago, like a New York, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, leisure travelers are not generally going there because many of the attractions that they know and love are closed. You know, museums are are limited capacity, restaurants limited capacities, um, and of course, you know, places like things like Broadway and other attractions throughout the country and theater and and sports. Are, are all closed. So um, it's going to be a long slog back. Um, and the recovery is going to look very different from a demand perspective and from an average rate perspective. The demand perspective will probably start coming back uh, towards the middle to end of Q, Q2, Q3, 2021. Uh, but average rate, depending on how low it has sunk, uh, could be a, a little while for that to for that to return. Again, market by market really matters. Yeah, that, that makes... Uh... That makes total sense, right? I mean, short-term uh, pain, especially because uh, the travel is not there, the tourism is not there, the business is not there. What was interesting to, to see is that we've, we've spoken recently with several groups, uh, most of which are out of New York City, some of which are out of the United States, that are talking to us about the opportunity, the opportunity in the hospitality industry today and buying assets in that and in, in that industry because they believe uh, it will come back and will come back big time. And today is probably the time to to uh, to build on it. And it's interesting that they're overseas or out of of New York City. So short term, I think that you will see that pain. And my question to you is, from a valuation perspective, again, high level to the extent that you can. How do you? Uh, how are you able to put numbers or, or pen to paper when it comes to evaluating a hotel uh, site today? And wh what do you really do? What do you really tell people that ask you that? Sure. So the first thing I, I constantly ask folks is, do you really need this value right now? Because it's such an interesting time where uh, where the numbers are so low from an operating perspective. RevPAR is you know, negative 75 plus or minus percent in New York City, negative 50 plus percent in the United States. EBITDAs are, are either negative EBITDAs, EBITDAs are down 90 plus percent, 70 plus percent, et cetera. So I ask, why are you getting this value? Um, are you doing, is, is it a lender looking for collateral management to understand uh, what their collateral is worth? Do they need uh, LTV requirements on their, on their borrowers? Is it a special servicer? If it's an owner, is it for estate purposes? Is it, are they, do they want the lower valuation at that point? Um, that's number one. Uh, number two, I, I go back to a few comments I made a moment ago. I'll say them quickly. Um, asset by asset, market by market, segment by segment. Um, we're still using a 10-year discounted cash flow analysis, no different than in any other marketplace. If anything, that is more relevant now than it ever has been. Um, using comparable sales is all but irrelevant. Anything selling now is selling on a distress level, both um, 
distressed in that in that debt is less available and more expensive. Um, and the fact that, um, you know, obviously operations are, are probably, especially in a place like New York City, um, there, there's probably a significant carry, there's probably significant loss month over month. So if you were to purchase an asset, you in addition to having lower debt proceeds, in addition to paying more for that debt, you probably also have to put up a significant interest reserve, if you can even find the debt. Um, and also put up probably an operating uh, expense reserve. So in terms of valuation, we use the 10-year DCF. You know, generally speaking, let's let's look at New York for a moment. We're thinking that, you know, that RevPAR, again, depending on exactly what the asset is, is returning somewhere in the next 24 to 36 months, EBITDA probably somewhere between 36 and 48 months, um, and then ramping that back up. And, and around, you know, 42, 48 months from now, having an EBITDA that's roughly equivalent to probably a trailing 36 months between 17, 18, 19. 19 is a tough year to use as a barometer. It was a record year in the United States for rooms occupied, average rate occupancies, um, even room supply, et cetera. Um, New York, it wasn't, it was not a record year, but it's still pretty, a pretty good watermark. So using sort of a, that average of three years is, is, is um, a more reasonable metric. As we were saying, we we're getting back to that average metric probably in about three to four years, general, very generally, very high level speaking. And what that's doing is again, depending on upon the asset um, and its operational level. Is it limited service? Is there food and beverage? Is it union operated with bifurcated out food and beverage? It's non-union or is it full service with union? Does it rely heavily on meeting group? Are you a heavy transient? Are you leisure oriented, et cetera? All these different things will determine, number one, how quickly the RevPAR returns, mostly the average rate, but also certainly how quickly uh, the EBITDA returns um, if and when they, they they do in fact return. We are bullish long-term in New York City. New York City also has other uh, specific um, uh, specific issues that it's dealing with, challenges, I would say, in the marketplace, safety and security, uh, leadership, et cetera. We won't go into those political issues, but they are very real issues for investors and they're very real issues for return of travel, uh, particularly on a corporate transient, international and a corporate group perspective. Um, so these are things that need to be considered. The streets need to be safer. Um, and, and generally speaking, uh, people need to feel better about, about wanting to travel here and, and, and doing group and, and, and meetings here and things of that nature. So um, we definitely, you know, that, that's, that's part of the issue. The other part is obviously people feel uncomfortable traveling again. And then, of course, there's, there's talk of and unsubstantiated thinking, but still thinking and still um, uh, potential possibilities of paradigm shifts in the industry overall. Leisure will likely remain strong, um, both for New York as well as for the country overall. Uh, but corporate transient, you know, does corporate transient get cut back by 10, 15% on a long-term basis because of the ability for folks to Zoom, because of the ability of folks to meet virtually um, and for just for cost cutting in general. Um, and frankly, do companies in general also operate with a leaner staff because now they realize that they can um, and therefore that'll lead to a, a cutback in travel. And then on the corporate group side, are there fewer conferences? Are there fewer meetings? Or are there more meetings and more conferences conferences because more people are working from home and not as much as in offices. So there's all these different possibilities and things to think about out there um, that could affect valuation on travel. The last uh, thing I would say, a very long answer to your short question, um, we do look at discount and terminal rates as, you know, where we were pre-COVID and where we are now. In general, you know, the theoretical thought process is, is that the terminal cap rate we're leaving the same for simply for the fact that we're using primarily 10-year discounted cash flow analysis. Again, as valuation folks in general, we reflect the market. We don't make the market. Even on the consulting advisory side, we tend to use 10-year DCFs, which, like I said, are more relevant now than ever because you're not going to recover for three or four years. You're stabilized here instead of being two or three. 
it's probably your four or five, and then you need sort of stabilized cash flow thereafter. Um, so we believe that because we believe in the fundamental return of lodging and lodging sector, that you know using that 10, 11, 10th, 11th year cap rate shouldn't be any different. We, were, we believe in the return of that value. In terms of discount rate, um, if you hit the discount rate too hard, in addition to that three to four year ramp up in RevPAR and EBITDA, um, especially the fact that in most cases, particularly in New York City, you probably have a loss in years one into, into year two, um, on, on, on your net operating income cash flow available for debt service pre-debt, um, you're probably looking at a significantly um, uh, negative va- uh, reduction in value. And so we calibrate sort of the discount rate reduction, maybe 25, 50 basis points, it's just 100, depending on the market and the asset. New York City, you're probably looking you know, closer to the 50 basis point, 25 basis point, plus or minus, could be even zero, um, depending upon you know the overall impact that it's going to have on value, because you know in what we do in the valuation world, it's part art and part science. The science is the math and the numbers, but the artist to say you know X hotel is not worth 50, 50 cents on the dollar of what it was worth yesterday. Maybe it is, but in general, it's hard to say that that you know a hundred million dollar asset is now worth fifty. It's 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 a challenge to really get to that point. So um, we're trying to be mindful and thoughtful about about how we actually effectuate those changes in, in cash flow along with the changes in, in, um, in rates of return. Yeah, that's great. And, and it, it does answer a lot of things. And just to wrap things up, it's, it, it seems like the short term is painful. The long term is promising. Um, supply demand has to go into the equation. Maybe there's a lot less supply moving forward. Pricing will come back. Um, the revenues will come back. Uh, travel is a question mark. Conferences are a question mark. Are they up or down? And helping this industry, uh, a lot of coverage that you gave us here. Uh, before we wrap things up, anything, any last thoughts about the hospitality industry in general or valuations? Yeah, just in general, thanks so much, Shimon. Uh, again, appreciate the opportunity. Hospitality in the in, industry in general is quite resilient. There's a lot of folks that are out of work everywhere from you know the housekeepers and the maintenance folks all the way up through corporate staffing and frankly corporate staffing you know the big companies Hilton Marriott a lot of the uh, major uh, IHG Wyndham etc and all the way down to major um, management and investment companies are probably going to lose a good amount of headcount into perpetuity going forward so um, but it, it, it's a resilient industry um, it's amazing how a conversation I had earlier today um, uh, one owner of about 25, 30 hotels, full service hotels all over the country, big, big company was saying, um, it's incredible that every conversation we have is about losing less money. Uh, whoever thought that that would be sort of the, the barometer, how can we lose less money? But I think the hotel industry from a, from a headcount perspective, from a labor perspective, and from an operating and technology perspective has really implemented all these things um, and a safety and cleanliness perspective uh, to be able to come out of this in the most efficient and best way possible. So we, I do think that there could be, while there may be an increase in, in some level of cost, there's probably an overall decrease in, in, on the expense side um, going forward because of how deep and harsh this, 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 this pandemic has, has made this recession for hospitality. And ultimately, um, we should be able to come out of this in a more profitable way. It, it will take some time. Let, let's make no bones about it. It will be a long slog through this, this downturn uh, to return to profitability. Um, but uh, you know, the very human nature of people is, is they want to travel. They want to be with one another. They want to, they want to collaborate and, and, and be together. So uh, we do believe in that, that long-term things will return and get better. 
That's great. And we believe in the same thing. I think that especially in our industry, especially in real estate, people want to see each other uh, and look forward to many conferences uh, in, in, in different hotels around the country. Evan Weiss, LWH, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm Shimon Shkuri, our Real Property Advisors. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much.